And back for another episode of the weekend, episode number three. It's your guy, Kendall Hilton. Um, follow me, Twitter, Instagram. Just type my name in, Kendall Hilton. You'll see the dark skin brother with the bucket hat on. That'll be me. Um, like my page on Facebook, Kendall Hilton. Once again, dark skin brother with the bucket hat on. That'll be me. And uh, yeah, man, just this is the third episode. We're going through these rankings of the Fan I-15. If you didn't catch the first few episodes, if you're, you know, a little late to the party, uh, at 15, we got Penn State. Last episode, we went through uh, number 14, Washington. And uh, here we are, number 13. But before I get into number 13, just to give you a, a breakdown of what this is, this is the weekend podcast where we look at the, the amateur level of football in the um, fall and autumn months. Uh, this is my way of just uh, looking, like I said, looking at the looking at the game from a, a love, a, just a love of the game point of view. You know, not putting uh, salary caps and trade deadlines and you know all the thing, all of the business, all of the business that comes with professional football and professional sports. This is just talking about guys that are that are playing, that love the game, um, teams. That are fighting for a championship, teams that are fighting for the brothers that are next to them. It's, you know, everybody. One thing about amateur level football that I love, and I, I think this is why I love college football more than more than pros, is because everybody's competing for the same thing. Now, of course, you got some guys like your juniors and your season seniors who are um, you know, top picks in the in the upcoming draft and they gotta make sure that draft stock is high. But overall, the overall mission for the team, as far as coaches, uh, the first guy on the depth chart and the last guy on the depth chart, they all are playing for one thing, and that's the the team name um, on the front of the jersey. And the mission is to win a championship. So you know, college and high school level, that's what it's all about. Uh, some a majority of the guys on that roster, this will probably be their last year. Um, or last time playing football, so everyone's competing for the same thing. There's no ulterior motives um, on the overall team, so that's why I love this. So this is my way of just really just looking at the game and you know breaking it down from from a, uh, just a football standpoint without all the extra preservatives and and everything that goes on with the business. So with that being said. Let's jump right into the rankings, and here we are. And at number 13, in the fan I-15, we have the UCF Knights. So UCF has become one of the premier teams in the college football over the last couple of years. Last year, they went 12-1. and uh, Only loss came to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl, 32-40. Um, Josh Heifel, that was his first season as head coach last year. Also, he has another former uh, head coach um, Randy Shannon. If a lot of you may remember him from uh, Miami, uh, also a former player for Miami. Uh, this will be his second year as the defensive coordinator. Uh, this is also that was also their second year with the undefeated regular season. And one thing I'm, I'm gonna mention it now, uh, but we're gonna get into it a little bit more later on. Uh, just a couple years ago, you know, 2015, they were 0 and 12. George O'Leary was the head coach and he was gone midway through the season. And so, you know, to see them uh, go from that to, uh, you know, where they are right now, really putting pressure on the, the, the power five conference teams, you know, 
they made news with the you know uh buying a banner for <laughs> with uh put not buying but putting up a banner claiming themselves as national champs over uh Alabama the year Alabama won when they had one loss and UCF was undefeated so you know they've been making a lot of noise over the last couple of years and you know their their star star quarterback McKenzie Milton who had a gruesome leg injury, career ending, well, possibly career ending leg, leg injury last November. He's be, he was destined to be one of the stars of college football, uh, last year. He was on pace to be a Heisman. And this year he was going to be, you know, like I said, he was destined to be a college football star. So UCF has really jumped into the spotlight and they've been, phenomenal you know it's nothing it's nothing less that i could say about you know the things they have done over the last couple years and you know i just i i kind of feel like i have them low right now on the rankings at number 13 but you know i i have to pay respect to the power five and that's because they're playing the consistent um competition not the only knock ucf they, they they have what i call the boise state syndrome And that's basically, you know, they're playing in a subpar conference, but at the same time, they have the talent and they have the players and, you know, they're putting up the numbers that that signals that they can compete with the Power Five Conference. So let's jump right into it. The first thing I want to start with is their biggest question going into the season. Um, And the reason why it's the biggest question, because it's in previous years and their last two years where they've made a name for themselves. Um, this was the reason why, and that's the quarterback position. Like I stated before, Mackenzie Milton, he was their star. He was destined to be a, a bigger star this year, but due to a gruesome knee injury last November, uh, now we're trying to figure out if he'll ever be able to play football again. And uh, it's a dope story about him um, on ESPN about how he's 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 still fighting, you know, to 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 get back on the field, but. It's not the end of the world for him. And I, that, I, I love that about his story because, yeah, he did make a name. He made a huge splash onto the college football world. And one that I think real college football fans will remember, maybe not, you know, the the average football fan who only comes around late November, uh, Heisman time, bowl season time. Maybe they won't know. But people that watch the games week in and week out, that pay attention we're going to remember Mackenzie Milton in the part he played in uh, setting UCF up as as a contender and as a premier team in college football. But so this year they won't have him, you know. So now that the door is open, and right now they have uh, they have a couple couple guys that can be starters right now. Brandon Winbush, um, a lot of you may re- remember him from Notre Dame. Um, he transferred from the Irish last year. He had a, a a tough season. He lost his starting spot to Ian Book after Week Four. Um, in four games, he was he only had one touchdown and three interceptions. His best start, um, well, it wasn't his best start, but his last start was against Florida State. 130 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, and Ian Book. They just, you know, they said this is the guy we're running with, and you know, it, it, it book did look better. I will say that he did look better. He moved the ball more. The offense was a lot more, 
consistent, you know, with, with Wimbush under center, they just wasn't finding the end zone. And, you know, that, that was a problem. So had, had to sit him down. So now he's, he's with UCF and this is a new beginning for him. This is a new start, but not sure if he is the guy that will really replace the production of McKenzie Milton. And if he had a problem scoring at Notre Dame, he can have a problem scoring here at UCF. One thing that plays in his favor, he won't be playing against the same type of uh, competition that he was seeing when he played at Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame being an independent, they see pretty much every team from every conference. Well, not every team, but they pretty much play teams from every conference, especially the big conferences. Um, this time, he's in the athletic, uh, American Athletic Conference where the competition is not that high. It's mid-level if you want to compare it to, um, you know, SEC, ACC type Big Ten type of talent. So that 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 will play into his favor. Right now, many people think he will be the starter, and that became more uh, prominent when Daryl Mack uh, broke his ankle and has been listed out indefinitely. Now, uh, Mack was uh, McKenzie's replacement last season, and he ended up being the uh, conference title game MVP with uh, four touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, tying the UCF record, and uh, he threw for 348 yards. So this was uh Mac was you know he had a good good momentum coming into this season. It was going to be a good battle between him and Wimbush for the starting spot, but after a, a ankle injury. No one's sure when he'll be back. You know, uh, Coach Heifel already came out and said we're not putting the timetable on it. So more than likely, Wimbush will be the starter. Uh, freshman Dylan Gabriel, he is making some noise. And a lot of people are leaning, to, you know, saying don't forget about this kid. Uh, he's all-time passing leader in Hawaii. He's uh, between the three, four star, depending on which outlet you look at. Uh, you know how them guys in Hawaii get down. They let us sling the rock. You know, you can lean on to it. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say his last name. I still get it. I, I messed his. <laughs> I am horrible with names. Letting y'all know that now. So don't be mad at me if you hear me butcher a guy name. And to that player, I'm sorry. More than likely, I'm going to give you a nickname until I get your name down packed. But if you look at Tua for Alabama, who is also another Hawaiian um, quarterback. And look what he did for Alabama, really turning them into a passing threat uh, for the first time. And what I call, I say it's the first time in Nick Saban's era as a, as a coach at Bama, really having a, a passing threat, passing a passing type of offense. So it's, it's, not, it's not weird or, or um, out of ordinary for some people to say, you know, look at Gabriel. Because he comes from a place where they breed, um, they beat, they breed passers, and we need to really start looking at that. But overall, right now, it looks like it's it's Winbush's spot to lose. But like I said, man, will he really carry this offense? And I I, I really feel like a lot of pressure is going to be on him because of the production and of the the things that Mackenzie Milton did in his two years as as quarterback for the for the UCF uh, um night so this will be the biggest question for the Knights this season 
and uh, watching that quarterback play, seeing how it plays out. It's going to be interesting, especially with Mac injury. Will he be able to play this year uh, with the freshman sitting on the sideline waiting? How much, uh, how long of a leash will Josh Heifel give Winbush? You know, how many mistakes is he going to let him make? How long is he, if, if the, offense, the offense does stutter or sputter, or whatever word you want to use, how long will he give him before he pulls him out and before he yanks him? Or will Winbush come out there and turn into uh, an all-American caliber quarterback? You know, so the, it, it, this, this, this for me, this is going to be one of the most interesting things to watch this season, uh, especially with them being in the fan I-15. I do think they will, uh, fit, well, we'll get to that later, but quarterback play for the UCF Knights, that will be one of the biggest storylines for me going into the 2019 season. No matter who the quarterback is, though, they're going to have a lot of guys around them that can uh, make them look good. UCF will be returning eight players to their offense. Uh, six players last season had all eight, eight all AAC honors. Uh, three of them were first team all AAC on the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line has 75 career starts. Uh, Jordan Johnson, Cole Schneider, Jake Brown, those are the those are the big names. Uh, Johnson, he was a two-time All-AAC. Uh, Cole Snyder last year, he made his first team. He uh, made his first uh, All-AAC. And Brown also making All-AAC. All three players started 13 games. Um, yeah, man, this, this, this offensive line is definitely going to be where they get most of their money at. Uh, left guard, um, Parker Bordeaux. A sophomore, he also played 12 games last year, but he's a freshman. I mean, not a freshman. He's a transfer from Notre Dame. And so this year he'll come and help out that uh, offensive line. But, yeah, they got a, they got a nice depth at the offensive line position, Like a, and the experience is there. Uh, even with the transfer coming in, I'm pretty sure Snyder, Johnson, and Brown will help. Bordeaux get acclimated with the style of play and the speed of UCF offense. And when you go outside of that, when you go to the skill positions, that's when, you know, it's like, all right, they're not going to, they shouldn't miss a beat this year. Um, Adrian Killens, running back, he makes his return to 5'8", 164-pounder. He also was a first-team All-ACC in 2017. Um, he will make his return this year. Uh Last season, he finished with 747 yards, four touchdowns, also four touchdowns on four four receiving. So eight total touchdowns, um, over a thousand total yards between rushing and, and and receiving. He'll be spelled. He'll be spelled by Greg McRae, and McRae became the first the Knights' first a thousand yard rusher since 2013. Uh, he finished with 1,196 yards last season with 10 touchdowns, uh, averaging a whopping 8.9 yards a carry. So uh, the young man knew how to get in open field, and when he got open field, he knew what to do with the ball. So they have a very interesting dynamic with Killens and McCray. You know, even with Killens' small stature, only 5'8", 164 pounds, he's more of the inside back. You know, of course, McCray – more of the open uh open field guy. So it, it it's very interesting how, how they have these two small backs, but 
have a very, very potent running game. Um, McCray even earned a scholarship last season um, before this uh, uh, during the summer. So at running back, they won't have any issues. You know, this is a experienced group. It's only two guys, but that's all they need. Both both have been uh, all eight, eight, all all conference at some point, whether first team or third team, and both know how to make plays with the football. So having this type of run game to support a a, a shake not I'm not going to say shaky quarterback situation, but a quarterback situation where you don't really know what you have until you get some games. Um, to know that you have this kind of backfield to rely on. I'm sure it's gonna give uh Coach Heifel some some peace. <laughs> you know, that's my you know, that's my line right there. Make sure coach gets his peace at night. So taking a look at the receiving group, uh another group with great experience. Um Gabriel Davis leads the group. He was the leading receiver last year with uh fifty three catches, eight hundred and fifteen yards, seven touchdowns, averaging fifteen yards a catch. And they will also have former old miss transfer. Uh, Trey Nixon with the nights last season, he accumulated 562 yards and four touchdowns. And uh, let me double back for a second. Uh, I said earlier, uh, Adrian Killings had 562 yards. He actually had 377 and four touchdowns. So my apologies on the on the uh, wrong information from earlier. But yes, Trey Nixon, 562 yards and four touchdowns last season with the Golden Knights. So, you know, this this receiving group has uh, guys that can make plays. The, the the running game will will help out this receiving core a lot, you know, and open some things up for them. Not really sure if you're going to be able to stack the box, even though they don't have size. They can make plays and they can get yards, and they know they know how to use their feet. Um, but yeah, other than that, the, the offense is is going to be potent as usual. You know, last two seasons, the Knights have averaged over forty points a game. In 2017, they averaged 48 points a game. So, uh, at a total with a total offense of 530 yards. So, this offense, man, is is it can score the ball. They know how to move the ball, and playing in a mid-major conference like like the one they're in, it's it's not many teams that will be able to stop them from scoring. The only thing they can do is just keep up. Uh, so, you know, they haven't. They've scored at least 30 points in the last 26 straight games, which is a school record. And if you think about it, that's the last two seasons where they've averaged 40. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that streak. Um, but, yeah, this offense, man, this is really going to rely on the quarterback play. And, and um, if Brandon Wimbush or uh, uh, Darrell Mack, if he comes back, or uh, uh, anybody, I mean, whoever's under the center, they're gonna have to make sure that they know how to work this Ferrari of an offense. So uh everything relies on the quarterback, but other than that, running backs, receivers, offensive line, everything else is great at. And on the other side of the ball, the UCF defense, um, as you may know, their biggest player so far, as far as uh, popularity goes, probably Shaq Griffin. Um, shout out to him. 
uh, inspiring kids, people, everyone all over the world right now playing for the Seattle Seahawks currently. Uh, but he won't be here this year. <laughs> uh, this year, the defense, the UCF defense, they'll be returning their top tackler, uh, Richie Grant. He had 109 tackles last season, uh, also with six in- interceptions at the safety position. Safety position. He is a first-team all-conference player. Also, they'll be returning Neville Clark, another big-time first-team all-conference player at cornerback position. And uh, one thing that, that I, I love about this uh, this secondary, they're all six feet and above. Like, this is a big, big secondary. Um, they also have a guy by the name of Jordan Hayes who transferred from Duke in uh, 13 starts at Duke. He accumulated 97 tackles and and uh eight passes broken up so you know they got they got a big big secondary which to me gives will will really help them when it comes to bowl season and playoff time um if, of course they they will be somewhere in the running when it comes to playoff time but just to see that kind of size at the secondary position uh really really excites me as a former corner myself but uh, going to the linebackers, they have a, a gentleman by the name of Nate Evans, who was second in tackles last year. He also had uh, seven and a half tackles tackles for loss and two and a half sacks. He will be the star linebacker of the group. Um, he is also a first-team all-conference player. And on the defensive line, Brendan Hayes will be the only starter from last year. He's the second-team all-conference player. Uh, last season, he finished with 44 tackles, uh, eight tackles for loss, three sacks, and two passes broken up. Uh, rushed the court, hurried the quarterback six times. Uh, but he will be the only starter that's returning from last year on the defensive line. He'll be joined by a redshirt freshman by the name of Cam Good, a sophomore, two sophomores, uh, Mason Chaloa and Randy Charlton. Um, on the other quarterback, uh, uh, other players on the linebackers, um, sophomore Eric Gilliard, and uh, transfer former tra- former Bama linebacker uh, Sean Bridges Becker. So the secondary is the strongest spot on this team. It's going to be hard to pass the ball against UCF with those big corners out there. Then you got a safety like Grant, who uh, obviously is not not scared to come up and uh, play the line of scrimmage. So. Uh, Definitely see this team relying heavily on their their secondary, um, but like like with the offense, they're not going to be challenged too much in conference play. Um, we'll get to the to, to the schedule in a minute and, and see which offense will, will will likely give them trouble. But the defense has been consistent since uh, since they had their 0 and 12 season um, last year. They averaged they they only allowed 22 points per game. That's the lowest total since 2014 um so you know they've been consistent um not great but consistent you know they don't they don't give up games i'll say that they you know they'll they'll hold a game together for the offense for the most part until they get to those you know power five conference games or games in the playoffs or where they see um just one of the teams on their schedule that i'll throw out there like a stanford you know when they see teams like that, then that's when they'll really be tested and we'll really have to look and see, 
you know, where the weaknesses are, where the strong points are. But uh, me personally, I don't think we can really gauge them by the competition they're going to play within the in the AAC just because that's not the competition they're going to see um, in the playoffs. And out of respect for them as a team that has gone uh, undefeated one year and uh, won 13 games last year, you know, I, I, I am going to I'm not going to hold them to that Boise State narrative. I'm not going to I'm not, I don't have the Boise State syndrome when I look at a team like UCF. You know, if you're going to compete, if you're going to throw your name in that in that bucket and say you're just as good as the guys from in the SEC, you're just as good as guys from the Big Ten, the Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, then I'm going to hold you to that standard until you show me otherwise. So, you know, and having a, a eight-point loss to LA last year doesn't knock them out of that conversation because just a year prior to that, they knocked off Auburn. So, like I said, once they start playing those Power Five conference teams, that's when we can really look at this defense and see where the holes are. But for right now, I, you know, like I said, they're consistent, and I, th- I think they'll do just fine, um, especially with that that big secondary. Phil still has the night schedule ranked dif- difficulty ranked um 79th uh mid-major conference not too many tough games on the schedule August 29th Thursday night they'll start off with HBCU school Florida A&M uh only meeting that took place was in 1987 and UCF was a division 2 program <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, over or under last year, UCF dropped 56 on Connecticut this year. Uh, they did play South Carolina state in the sex second game last year and they were a 50 point favorite, but they only won 38 zero. So this time it'll be interesting to see if they can get that 40 point 40, I mean, 50 point victory. And after Florida A&M, it will be Florida Atlantic, and uh, the uh, the Knights will travel there. And this game could be interesting. You know, Lane Kiffin, uh, head coach of Florida Atlantic, he has uh, seven offensive turners returning, six defensive uh, six defensive starters returning. And uh, this, you know, they let they 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 did lead the Knights last year, seventeen twenty one in the second quarter, but you know the game ended up being a twenty point victory for the for the Knights uh 56-36. So you never know with that game. That could potentially be a trap game. Um after that, they will host Stanford. Last meeting was in 2015 where they the Knights traveled to uh, uh Stanford and lost 31-7. If you remember, that's the year they went 0 and 12. So this is a completely different team from that season, but this could be a tough game. Tough game for the Knights um, playing a Power 5 conference. I mean, Power 5 team like this. Uh, but for Stanford, it could be traveling across the country. Uh, pretty sure they're going to try to make this a night game just to give UCF a little bit of edge. Um, so that, that game will be fun to watch. Then after that, they will travel to Pittsburgh. This is my trap game for them. Um, they are 4-23 and in regular season road games versus Power 5 conference schools since 2001. So, you know, the, the the numbers are not on their side. Uh, Pittsburgh, you never know what kind of team you're going to get. They have good players, of course, but they've never been uh, over-the-top 
program, but if if they're motivated, they 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 can come out and, and play some good football. Um, after Pittsburgh, they will travel. They will host Connecticut on September twenty eighth. Um, that'll be a W. Uh, October fourth, they'll travel to Cincinnati. Um, Friday night game. October twelfth, they have a bye. Um, East Carolina will be their homecoming. East Carolina is also coming off a bye, so uh, that's probably another W. October 26th, they will travel up to Philly to play the Temple Owls. And last year, they only uh, they defeated Temple 52-40, so a lot of high-scoring games for this UCF team. So once again, that, that defense, we're going to really see how, how good they are as, as the season goes on. Uh, after Temple, they will host Houston, who has been the second uh, best team in in the AAC uh, over the last couple of years during during the same run that UCF has had uh, last season. They they didn't play Houston last season, so that's interesting. So, but right now they lead the series against Houston five five three, but they lost the last two matchups. Uh, last meeting coming in two thousand sixteen where the Knights led 24-3 in the third quarter, but after 166 first yards, first half yards and just 29 in the second half. So, but that was three years ago. Completely different squad on both sides. Uh, November 8th, they will travel to Tulsa for a Friday night game. Then they'll have another bye week, and they will finish the season off with Tulane and UCF. Uh, at Tulane and home against UCF. So, a fairly uh, moderate schedule for the Knights. Um, only, I guess, the only trap I see for is Pittsburgh traveling to Pittsburgh. That Houston game could also be a problem, but they they'll be home, so they'll be in a comfortable environment. Um, I'm gonna wait wait to determine on how that Temple game will look. Um, October 26th at Temple, that that could be interesting, depending on how they uh, how they look going into the bye October 12th. That Temple game could could be very interesting. And, and like I said, man, don't sleep on Florida Atlantic. Don't sleep on Lane Kiffin. He knows how to coach football. And he got he got a, he got a nice group of guys returning for him. So they 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 could throw, you know, throw a monkey wrench in UCF college playoff hopes early. Cause unfortunately for UCF, any loss is basically eliminates them from from uh college football playoff rankings. Um, you know, in our rankings, they're, they're, uh, 13. So it's going to be a f- uphill battle for them again, because they don't have those big games on their schedule. They don't have those resume games on their schedule that once the season is over, you go back and look and say, okay, that was a playoff type of game. They won on the road in a hostile environment. They had a big game winner, you know, they had a dominant performance against, uh, uh, you know, another top college uh, playoff caliber team. Um, they don't have those. They don't have those teams on their schedule. So, essentially, every game for them to get the respect of the committee and and you know everyone else in the college football world, they they had every game has to be a blowout. The only game on that schedule that will give them some respect uh, for the voters is is Stanford. And that's it's early in their season, September fourteenth. Um, that's an early game in the season. It's one that you will come back to look at, but it's not one that it will 
be in recent memory for the voters or fans. So, um, but looking at the schedule, I only see at the most two losses, one loss, um, probably, but they could go undefeated. Uh, I think the offense will be potent enough to carry the team to, to the end of the season through the regular season. Once the college playoff starts and bowl season come around, uh, we'll know what kind of defense they have and whether or not they can really compete for a national championship. So overall, I got UCF being a one-loss team at the most. Um, I can see them creeping into the single digits of of the fan I-15. Uh, the highest I see them getting as far as the college college football playoff rankings, um, maybe seven, six. Don't see them getting into the top four. You know, I just think it would be too. Just too many things need to happen for them to get into the top four. A lot of big teams will have to lose early on in the season, and they will have to remain undefeated. And even if they remain undefeated, they still might not get that respect. Like I said, man, they got to blow everybody out. They got every game has to be fifty point or better, and they got the offense to do it. But it's can the defense, you know, stop them? Can they? Can they? Can they keep the point total, the, the opposing points total down? Um, but this is. Like the last two years, this will be a fun team to watch. You know, they got talented, skilled position players. They have an interesting storyline at the quarterback position. So UCF will will be in the top 15 um, come the end of the season. They will be in the fan out 15 come the end of the season. I'm pretty sure of it. But as far as college football playoffs go, I don't see it right now. And, you know, things, college football is crazy, man. That's why we love it so much. So things can definitely happen that 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 can put them in there. But as of right now, man, I, I don't see them. I don't see them getting inside that top four. Just too many things need to happen. So with all that being said, thank you once again for tuning in, listening to me ramble about college football, butchering names. I hope you all enjoy it, man, because I'm enjoying doing this. Uh, I cannot wait. So we get to do week by week uh, rankings. I mean, week by week rankings and talk about the Heisman. Like, I, I, I'm so excited for the college football season. Um, I'm excited to get through the rest of my top 15. We're only at 13. Next is number 12. Can't tell you who it is yet because why? You have to listen. You have to come back and listen. So make sure you follow me. Instagram, Twitter, uh, face, like my page on Facebook. Just type my name in, Kendall Hilton. You'll see the dark-skinned brother with the bucket hat on. Y'all know how it go. Um, but if you don't see that, just type my name. Just type in K-N-D-L-L-H for Instagram, K-N-D-L-L-0 for Twitter, and Kendall Hilton on Facebook. Uh, I appreciate all the love. Most importantly, patreon.com forward slash Hilton. Make sure you sign up. Make sure you subscribe for the exclusive content, for the exclusive material, uh, merchandise, for everything that, that is K. Hilton. If you're a fan of me, if you're a fan of my brand, if you're a fan of the fan I brand, please sign up and become a subscriber, man. This is this is a long-term mission. It's not something short-term just to make a couple bucks. This is something that I'm, I'm looking to build for the next 10 years. So uh, please, please sign up, patreon.com slash K. Hilton. And with all that being said, I appreciate y'all once again. Thank you. See you next time.